Tonight, the new warning from the CDC urging parents to get their teens vaccinated against COVID. That urgent plea coming as a new report finds rising hospitalizations among children 12 to 17. The all-out push to get teens the shot. And the new mask controversy, the state where residents will have to keep covering their faces at work at least until October. The decision handed down by Facebook, former President Trump suspended for at least two years through the midterm elections. His yeah. reaction tonight and Mike Pence distancing himself from the former president over the Capitol riot saying they may never see eye to eye Dr. Fauci under fire the new questions being raised by his emails and what he's calling on China to reveal the growing threat of cyber attacks the FBI director comparing it to 9-11 many of the hacks coming from Russia but will the US retaliate America's comeback the US adding more than half a million jobs in May now a growing number of Americans at risk of losing unemployment benefits. The season's first major heat wave sweeping across the country this weekend and the government report on UFOs, what it says about the possibility of extraterrestrial activity. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening, I'm Kate Snow in for Lester tonight. There's a lot to get to on this busy Friday night, but we begin with that urgent push from the CDC to get teenagers vaccinated against COVID. The CDC director said today she is deeply concerned by a new report showing rising hospitalizations among adolescents. And she's calling on parents, relatives, and friends across the country to make sure American teens get the shot. Tom Yama starts us off. Tonight, the CDC urging parents to get their teens vaccinated. An increase in hospitalizations in March and April leading to the new push. I feel safer now. Researchers note there have been no deaths, but say the increase in hospitalizations might be related to new variants, plus a larger number of teens now interacting. Right now, young people 12 to 15 can get the vaccine. And health experts want to make sure those teens don't fall into the same trap as some adults who still choose not to get their shots. I haven't had COVID since it came about, so why get vaccinated now? Doctors say that can create pockets for COVID to spread. A lot of times they're living with or hanging out with people who also haven't received the vaccine. Well, yes, Tom, that is a real problem, because when we consider what happens in communities, especially those of lower income, where there is more crowding, we have unvaccinated people and many of them together, and this virus will continue to spread, so we will have more outbreaks. In Maryland, people who are unvaccinated are twice as likely to end up in the hospital compared to those who developed the infection earlier this year. And in Washington state, public health officials raising the alarm among those ages 45 to 64. Hospital admission rates are 21 times higher for the unvaccinated. Dr. Gupta, give us the reality check on the unvaccinated in your hospital. It is to the tune of 95% or higher, the individuals that are coming into the hospital with COVID, especially into the intensive care unit where I see these patients, they are not vaccinated. And still, Tom, there are people who aren't getting vaccinated. Kate, persuading the unvaccinated is getting harder and harder with mass vaccination sites starting to close and incentives still being passed up. It's unclear what, if anything, will motivate those millions of eligible Americans to get their shots. Kate? All right, Tom Yamas, thank you. And while most states have relaxed mask mandates by now, California, the most populated state in the U.S., will require masks in workplaces for several more months. Miguel Almaguer with the controversy. 
Tonight, the first state in the nation to enter a lockdown, now poised to become the last to lift face mask restrictions. Cal OSHA, the board that oversees workplace safety, ordering all Californians to remain masked at work until at least October, unless everyone around them is vaccinated. This is the most confusing guidance I have seen to date on COVID. Far exceeding CDC guidelines that cleared the way for the inoculated to go maskless, California's mandate could force employers to check vaccination status before masks come off. We should not be asking an employee whether or not they've been vaccinated. That's the private uh, right of that employee. Though vaccination rates in California exceed other states, big companies with a higher potential for unvaccinated employees will likely be forced to require masks. Tonight, the face of the pandemic is changing, but not yet in California. Miguel Almaguer, NBC News. Another major story tonight, Facebook announcing former President Trump will remain suspended from its platform for two years for his inflammatory rhetoric surrounding the Capitol riot. Jeff Bennett has more. Who is USAA made for? It's made for him, a veteran who honorably served. And it's made for her. She's serving now. We also made USAA for military spouses and their kids. Become a member. Get an insurance quote today. Tonight, Facebook announcing it's banning former President Trump for at least two years over his comments related to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. In a statement, Facebook saying... Given the gravity of the circumstances that led to Mr. Trump's suspension, we believe his actions constituted a severe violation of our rules, which merit the highest penalty available under the new enforcement protocols. Facebook's oversight board had called on the tech giant to set an end date for his suspension. The move will keep Mr. Trump off Facebook and Instagram through the midterm elections. Today, he slammed the decision. Facebook's ruling is an insult to the record-setting 75 million people, plus many others, who voted for us. They shouldn't be allowed to get away with this censoring and silencing, and ultimately we will win. It comes as former Vice President Mike Pence is distancing himself from Mr. Trump over the Capitol insurrection. And I don't know if we'll ever see eye to eye on that, but I will always be proud of what we accomplished for the American people over the last four years. Meantime, Donald Trump is planning a return to the political spotlight tomorrow with a speech in North Carolina. Kate? Jeff Bennett, thank you. New fallout tonight from the Capitol riot. Federal prosecutors now say they expect to charge at least 550 people in the insurrection, beyond their earlier estimate of 500. The FBI says 465 people have been arrested so far. In just 60 seconds, new questions on Dr. Fauci's emails. President Biden asked today, does he still have confidence in him? Dr. Anthony Fauci is coming under fire tonight from critics who say he was too quick to downplay the possibility that COVID escaped from a Chinese lab in Wuhan. It's a theory that had early support from former President Trump. Here's Hallie Jackson. A new call from Dr. Anthony Fauci tonight, now asking China to release the medical records of several scientists who, according to U.S. intelligence reports, got seriously sick at a lab in Wuhan weeks before China confirmed its first COVID case. Fauci telling the Financial Times, did they really get sick? And if so, what did they get sick with? That lab in the spotlight, and now so is Fauci himself under fire from critics who argue he prematurely dismissed the possibility that COVID-19 leaked from that Wuhan facility. Dr. Fauci needs to be brought in under oath to answer questions about this. 
from early on, Fauci highlighting the more prominent theory among many scientists that the virus jumped from animals to humans. The explanation China also backs. Is totally consistent with a jump of a species from an animal to a human. It comes after thousands of pages of Fauci's emails from the early days of the pandemic were released to several news organizations under the Freedom of Information Act including one from the NIH director, who last April sent Fauci a link to a news article suggesting the lab leak theory was true. The subject line, conspiracy gains momentum. Fauci's response is redacted. Did you agree at that time in April of 2020 that the lab leak theory was a conspiracy theory? No, not necessarily at all. The, the situation is that we didn't know, and we still don't know what the origin is. Some now suggesting scientists downplayed the lab leak possibility because former President Donald Trump repeatedly raised it. The question was much more open than most people were led to believe. Still, there's a distinction between whether any leak may have been an accidental mishap during research on naturally occurring viruses, or whether, as some have insinuated, the virus was somehow engineered and then escaped. Fauci argues his emails are ripe for being taken out of context, and President Biden today said he is very confident in Fauci. Kate? Hallie, thank you. The U.S. is under increasing pressure to respond to cyber criminals carrying out increasingly bold attacks. The FBI director says the challenges are comparable to the many investigations launched after 9-11. Tom Costello reports. Amid growing cyber attacks against TV stations, food and fuel suppliers, hospitals, water systems, and all levels of government, the FBI confirms to NBC News it's investigating 100 different types of ransomware attacks, many originating from Russia. The Deputy Attorney General today. We cannot give any quarter, and no country should be harboring criminal actors of any type. IBM Cyber X-Force runs a constant global cyber threat assessment showing the Russian criminal gang R-Evil, blamed by the FBI for the attack against meat producer JBS, earned at least $123 million in ransom last year. Tonight, a revealing glimpse of the online negotiations between hackers and victims, companies and charities, large and small. In one exchange, a company pleads, my bosses have told me they can offer $730,000. They said if we had to pay any higher, we would not be able to pay our employees. The hackers respond, provide supporting information that your company is in a financial hole and we will review your price. The employee replies, but all of our systems are down and are not sure how we would provide that information. And another, a charity that's been hacked, pleads, please, if you can desist and allow us to continue our work. The hacker agrees only after receiving proof of the charity's work. The average initial ransom demand, $5 million. Two-thirds of victims pay the ransom to get their computers back. This is not just somebody wearing a hoodie in Moscow. This is a team of people working together. They've got a financial department. They've got negotiation departments. They've got a customer service group. But should the U.S. retaliate against the Russian government? Most experts warn that would only lead to a dangerous game of escalation. The U.S. turns out the lights in St. Petersburg. Russia turns off the water in Chicago. I don't think we should turn out the lights in St. Petersburg and punish the Russian people for what criminal Russian actors have done to us or what the Russian state has done to us. Cyber experts say the U.S. could target criminal gangs in Russia and China and elsewhere, but the best approach may be an international treaty, like a nuclear arms agreement, where all sides agree to crack down on cybercrime.
Tom, thank you. Uh, a promising new jobs report was released today, and the numbers are up. But even after a year of economic hardship, why are so many businesses still struggling to find workers? Stephanie Rule explains. As we return to life as we knew it, the latest jobs report shows Americans are getting back to work. 559,000 people were hired in May. This is progress, historic progress. Progress that's pulling our economy out of the worst crisis it's been in 100 years. I was extremely happy that finally something turned up. Still, employers are reporting historic labor shortages. Firms across all kinds of sectors in the economy all trying to hire at the same time. As state governors make a push for their residents to get back on the job. At least 25 states are now stopping federal pandemic-related unemployment benefits, including an additional $300 a week ahead of it expiring in September. They're hoping this move will encourage workers to find jobs. But for some, it's an added burden during an already stressful time. I lost my job shortly before the pandemic started, and I have felt like I haven't had control of much, and now it's just like the bottom is falling out even more. But experts say those who do land jobs may now have an upper hand. How do they use that bargaining power? They could negotiate for higher wages. They could negotiate for more flexibility. Maybe it's working from home a little bit longer. Um, they could negotiate for a more predictable schedule. A country that's reopening and rehiring. So, Steph, is the answer for these employers just to pay more? Well, for hourly lower-wage jobs like retail and restaurants, it is about pay. But for higher-skilled jobs, it's less about wages and more about work-life balance. Apple announcing all employees can work from anywhere two weeks a year. Kate? So interesting. Stephanie, thank you. There have been more than 100 UFO sightings caught on camera over the past few decades, and now the U.S. government is weighing in with a new report about it all. Here's Courtney Cuby. Tonight, the U.S. intelligence community has no evidence those mysterious flying objects are aliens. But they're not ruling it out. According to two U.S. officials, a report by the Director of National Intelligence investigating some of the more than 120 incidents is inconclusive. These incidents, many caught on video over the past few decades, show U.S. military encounters with shadowy objects that seem capable of traveling upwards of 11,000 miles per hour, changing direction, and plunging into water without slowing down. <laughs> In another case, an object resembling a spinning top with no visible propulsion flying at hypersonic speed. Or this white oval described by one of the pilots who encountered it. One minute's there, and the next second, it's like magic trick. U.S. officials now believe the objects are most likely not secret U.S. technology, but they worry they could be advanced systems by another country, potentially Russia or China, both known to test hypersonic systems. <laughs> the intelligence report is due to Congress later this month, but without clear conclusions, it may leave the public with more questions than answers. Kate? All right, Courtney, thank you. A dangerous record-breaking heat wave is on the way for the weekend. Temperatures will surge from the Rockies all the way up to New England with highs in the 90s, some areas sweltering in triple digits. Still ahead for us, fighting for change, one family determined to protect victims of domestic abuse. We've got you taken care of, Sergeant Lucas. Thank you. That was fast. She was just had this light about her, that people were attracted to her to talk to her. But her mom, Suzanne, and stepfather, Rod, say Megan's marriage to former police officer Jason McIntosh was violent. Megan recorded him threatening her. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, 
she knew if she left, she would be killed. That's why she didn't leave. One night in February 2019, Suzanne says Megan took her husband's gun to protect herself. When she heard him coming towards her, she went towards the door with the gun to keep him away. And she said, the next thing I know, I'm on the floor and I'm shot. Megan's arm was shattered. The police who responded were McIntosh's colleagues on the local force. So Alabama's state law enforcement agency took over, seizing the gun as evidence. We went and got the restraining order. She got the restraining order. But after Megan moved into her own apartment later in 2019, the Alabama law enforcement agency returned Jason McIntosh's gun to him. 16 days later, he shot and killed Megan. Our worst fears came true. You know. A spokesperson for the Alabama law enforcement agency told NBC News they had no legal justification to keep the weapon, stating the restraining order Megan had did not restrict Mr. McIntosh's access to firearms. But Alabama law specifically says no person who is subject to a valid protection order for domestic abuse shall own a firearm or have one in his or her possession or under his or her control. The law says this person shouldn't have a gun. Period. Lindsay Nichols is federal policy director at the Giffords Law Center. She says Alabama and 36 other states mirror a federal law that says anyone convicted of a domestic violence crime or subject to a final restraining order is prohibited from possessing a gun. But few states have actual procedures to track abusers and have them surrender their firearms. The federal law that says these people are prohibited from possessing guns, it doesn't automatically make the guns disappear out of their hands. It's as if the mandate is there, but there's no mechanics for how to implement it. That's exactly right. More women were killed by domestic partners with guns in 2019 than all the people who died in mass shootings that year. What makes you the most angry, Suzanne? That nobody believed Megan. They weren't on her side. Not just Megan. Megan's story has been repeated across this country thousands of times. Earlier this year, Jason McIntosh pleaded guilty to murder and was sentenced to 30 years. Weeks before she died, Megan said she wanted to educate other women about the warning signs of domestic violence. So that's what her family is doing. Her father, Johnny. She's not alive, but she's saving a lot of people right now. Megan's family wants states to develop better systems for removing firearms from known abusers. We did reach out to the Alabama governor's office. Her office declined to comment. Up next, superstar Debbie Allen breaking barriers and inspiring America. Legendary entertainer Debbie Allen is among this year's Kennedy Center honorees. Cynthia McFadden asked her about her secrets to success, lessons that are inspiring America. One, two. I could get this country straight, honey, if I could just get them in a, in a ballet bar. So bend down, honey. Come on, plie. Let's go. Debbie Allen has always believed in the power of dance. You got big dreams. You want fame. Well, fame comes. Now 71, Allen turned her big dreams into an even bigger reality. Ambition is pointless. Because if you can't imagine yourself beyond where you are now, where are you going to go? Nowhere. We sat down with her just before COVID struck and before America's latest racial reckoning. I grew up in Texas in the 50s, 60s, segregation was the way of life. At her Houston ballet school, Allen was the only black student. At 16, she had her heart set on attending the North Carolina School of the Arts. They used me to demonstrate in the audition, and then when it was over, I 
said, so when would I start? And he says, you need to go into something else. Your body is not right to dance. Mm-hmm. So lots of young women, that would have been the end of that. Well, it almost was the end of that, except for my mom. She said, you failed. And that was so hard. Ooh. I could cry about it right now. It was hard. Mama was not letting me let some man dictate my life. Oh, lesson learned. She not only continued to dance, she had a choreographer and director to her accomplishments. When you think about what you want people to say about you one day, what would it be? That she worked really hard to inspire young people to go beyond her accomplishments and make this world a better place. Thank you for the great legacy. Thank you for the great legacy. Cynthia McFadden, NBC News, Los Angeles. She's still inspiring. That is Nightly News. I'm Kate Snow. For all of us here, stay safe and have a great weekend.